Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So it feels right to start the show off with our normal frivolity and question answering, given what happened to Colby Cave. So, True. Um, yeah, just absolutely gut-wrenching. Yeah. Uh, no words. Just the initial story of him being in the hospital was kind of a, a sucker punch alone. And then, at least on the weekends, I tend to stay off my phone as much as possible as I spend time with my kids. And then someone sent that notification, and oh, it just knocked the wind right out of me. Yeah, that was just. Yeah, I think there was a couple people that that had the same sentiment that I did, which is, you know, uh, everything prognosis wise seemed like it was okay for him. You know, not not great, but you know, it seemed like the surgery was a success, and they were still keeping him in a medically induced coma to help heal, and that just, yeah. Brain's yeah. a weird thing, you know? Yeah, trust me, I know. A little too personal experience with that one. So, mm-hmm. and in the world's worst segue, I thought that was my job to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't say the worst. <laughs> There's, there is no way to gracefully pivot from that horrific news to our frivolity, but so the tire screeching in the background you hear, that's us transitioning. Don't mind the whiplash. Well, to hopefully bring things to a a bit of a happier note or give you some positive memories to think about, um, I possumed this question. Possumed? If women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. Uh, What one Peter Forsberg game from his NHL career? So should we go watch immediately during this pause? I will defer to Cassie (laughs) to start. No, I have I have one. I'm sitting there looking right at it. All right. I, I have a feeling I know what your one is. But I, I would love to hear what Cassie has to say. My one, my one is March 3rd, 1999, at the Flor- Colorado at the Florida Panthers. Do you guys know what game I'm speaking of? <laughs> so you do know what game I'm speaking of. Uh-huh. It, was, it was one of his two six-point nights. Uh-huh. The other one was with Nashville, oddly. <sighs> Would you like to continue, Patrick? The beauty <laughs> of that six-point night was it was like in 30 minutes. No, it was less than that. I <laughs> actually, actually, yeah, you're right. It was like 20. It was 25 I, minutes. I point. <laughs> I, I pulled up the uh, the box score. Yeah. On Hockey Reference. So. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so, uh, I don't know, Pat, do you know this game? 
God, I miss the names Adam Denmarsh, Chris Jury, Elon <laughs> Hayduke in the third period. <laughs> Sandwiched between a couple Forsberg goals. <laughs> so Forsberg had oh. a hat trick. He only had like six of them in his career, which was ridiculous because he had insane like shot percentage. And so it late in the second period. Colorado was down five to nothing to the Florida Panthers, who I would like to point out actually still had a substantial number of players on that team from their 1996 cup run where they made the Stanley cup final, but lost and Pavel Bure. So it's not like this was a a horrible, awful team by any means. May I point out also had a hat trick in this game. Yes. Yes. I also had a hat trick in this game. And uh, so they were down late in the second, five to nothing. They came back and won it seven to five. Peter Forsberg started the scoring at 1811 in the second period. And it was all downhill from there. Boy, all downhill from there is a mild understatement. I know, right? <laughs> and I mean, Craig Billington really was the David Ayers of this game. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. He played <laughs> one period and made eight saves for the win. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> while he, So, yeah, while, while was pulled during the period intermission when they were down five to one. <laughs> for, fear, for fear he would demand a trade somewhere else <laughs> exactly um and so so uh forsberg carried the entire team on his back and said let's go boys and they did it so <laughs> and, he and had, let's sorry okay. go ahead, oh, i was gonna say he had nine shots on goal that game all three of his goals were even strength uh he had two power play assists i believe and um so, yeah, he had a shot percentage of 33.3, and he played 1956. <laughs> he only played 20 minutes for the entire game, but. So let's pour one out for Sean Burke, who had a, uh, let's, who had a five let's nothing. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> let's not. <laughs> who had a five nothing shutout to cruise home on and managed to just. Ugh. 79.4 save percentage. <laughs> yeah, and all of that in Again. effectively 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. Actually, less than that because they pulled him for an extra attacker. So yeah, all nice. of that in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for those that are of this ilk, you can find the full game on on the YouTube machinery. Um. Or you can find um, highlight packs. Peter Forsberg, House on Fire. <laughs> just, just decided enough was enough. Just he decided enough was losing. enough. Oh boy, he hate. That's why I loved that like clip of um, ping pong going on in the Nashville Predators locker room. The Paul Korea one. Because Forsberg was trying so hard after that to not be a sore loser. So hard. He just really wanted to, like, flip tables and, like, because he lost this game. And, you know, Korea's, like, thumbing his nose and running around the locker room going, wee! (laughs) And Forsberg was just, like, sitting there seething, just trying so hard not to be a poor loser. And so 
that's what kind of made him great. And this game was especially a good example of that. <laughs> this is, I think this is probably where, no, it was earlier than that, where my wife and I used to, used to just, you know, adverb and verb his name. You've been Forsberged. That, that was an awesome Forsberging yeah, um, yeah, now there's like too many Forsbergs in the NHL. You can't yeah, do that anymore. It's sad. And you know what? I, I like him. He's a good player, but I shouldn't have to qualify when I say Forsberg. I mean Peter. Mm-hmm. Not Philip. Philip Forsberg should always be a two-named individual. Yes, he should. You always have to say first and last name. Correct. You know. Well, and he's not the only one in the NHL either, but yeah, he's the no. better known. Yeah. Um, my. Now, for, for posterity, or posterior, one or the other, my backup game was actually game two of the Stanley Cup final in 1970. That's actually where I thought you were going to go uh, originally. Yeah, I, I really sort of vacillated between those two games, and I came back to that March 3rd game just because the ridiculousness of... Uh, just Peter the ridiculousness Forsberg. of it, you know. Yeah. A buck a buck forty nine left in the second period and then just explodes in the third. I mean, just bang, 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 bang. Yep. But I mean, it, he went off bang 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 in the first period of game two of that Stanley yeah. Cup. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's kind of where I was like, oh god, you know. Ugh. It's a variety. Of the three individual goals is just ridiculous. There's a highlight pack of them up on YouTube. I strongly suggest everyone stop this podcast. We'll wait. Go look at both the highlight packs for these because OMG. Wait a minute. What what cup final are you talking about? 2002? 96. Yeah. Uh, Coincidentally, also against the Panthers. Right. Because there was, because he had like, there was a 2002 Stanley Cup final game that he like was insane. Yeah. And the the craziest part about it was the fact that he had missed pretty much the entire regular season, or it was half half of the regular season. It was half. It was it was close to half, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And after losing his spleen and almost dying because he was bleeding to death internally. Comes back for half a season and like just tears through the 2002 playoffs. Yeah. Am yeah. I am I wrong? He didn't play in that regular season no. whatsoever. Um. Let me see. I don't. I believe it's the next regular season where he plays half. I may be wrong here, but 0102, he does not play in the regular season. And then comes back and plays twenty some odd games. Right, right. Because so he had, he had taken a leave of absence for the first half of the season, and then he came back in January <clears throat> to play, and he failed his physical because of his foot issues. Yes. And then he had surgery, and then he was out for the last half of the regular season, and then he came back to start playoffs. He didn't even play a single game during the regular season. I believe he started game one or round one in the 2002 playoffs. And then he, like, ripped through it. Wasn't that the Kings in that first round? Uh, If only there were some magical information repository we could use 
for just these precarious points in time that we mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> excuse me um so 2002 yeah he played 20 games he had nine goals 18 assists 27 points 20 penalty minutes of course um and yes. If right. I'm not wrong, he didn't even play in the uh, in Game Seven against New Jersey. Am I misremembering that? In 2002 or the year before? So what happened? I, I think I'm thinking the year before because he he only played uh, 10, 11 games at that point. 2000. Okay, so the the 2001 playoffs. 2000. No, wait. Sorry. Yeah, 2001 playoffs, 2000 to 2001 season. He played 16 playoff games. He, I thought it was actually less than that. But um, he had gotten into the third round. I believe it was the LA Kings they were playing. And <clears throat> after a game, he, a home game, he wasn't feeling well, and the trainer took him to the hospital. And only to yeah. find his stomach full of blood. Yeah. <laughs> he, had, yeah. he had ruptured his spleen, and he didn't play the rest of playoffs. But he would if if they had had like another rest day or two during the series and during the any of the series, he probably would have played the last game. He had come back to play within like a month or something stupid. Yeah, and yes, that's right. Yeah, because I remember it was bookended by the Kings. He went out versus the Kings. And he effectively came back against the Kings the following year in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, because they were in that first round against there. And God love that man. 2002 led the entire playoffs with points, even though they didn't make the finals. Yep. Just a... Well, that, that 2002 final was... You know, oh, it's fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, oh, oh wait, it, sorry. No, it, it, <laughs> if you want to see a lot of Hall of Famers do some crazy things, yeah. Well, it was a sh- let's just say it was a short series, but lots of time I, and ice. <laughs> I would not call it a short series because you did have a triple overtime game in there. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a six game series that ended in five. <laughs> Six, <laughs> six into third, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, game one was the, yeah. yeah. And you, I'm, give them credit, too, because I don't remember there being any game that was more than two goals. Actually, no, it was, it was a very low-scoring, tight affair until games four and five. I, I think the... the... So I have gone down a rabbit hole in the past few <laughs> few evenings going to rewatch old games and I I suffered and watched as much of the overtime from game three of the 2002 uh, Stanley Cup final as I could find and damn was that an entertaining game <laughs> and speaking of overtime in Peter Forsberg oh yeah <laughs> with Avalanche games the one game, as soon as I posed this question, I knew exactly what I was going to go for. Yeah. October 27, 2005. Yep. Yeah. The man scores his first goal as a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. Yep. Eighth game of the season. He comes into this game already with 13 assists. 
<laughs> 13 assists in seven games. That's crazy. what he did best, though. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what the centers did, was dish off the peck to the wingers, and the wingers potted the goals. <laughs> when, when he scores goals, he scores goals. But... So in this game, he has one goal, two assists, and a 5-4 OT game. Some of the highlights. He and Simone Gagne instantly built this amazing chemistry to the point where Forsberg had... I'm trying to pull it up in my notes now. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, 115 points in 100 games as a flyer over the course of one and a half seasons. <laughs> he was just stupid. He was. He still had it. Now, he could not play every game of the season in those 1.5 seasons with Philly. But in this game, sets up Simone Gagne for two goals in, the, I believe, the second and the third period. Is takes a penalty shot because <clears throat> Toronto Maple Leaf fans, you may want to um, cover avert your, avert your ears, avert your ears. <laughs> Martin Shalina covers the puck in the crease with like five minutes left in the third period. He gets to take a penalty shot, which in his mind, he thinks he, he just misses this. He thinks it goes in uh in his post-game comments to the press, misses a penalty shot, goes on to tie the game with just under a minute remaining. And I'm quoting the goalie who who gives up this goal. Quote, their game-tying goal was the luckiest goal I think I've ever seen, said Roberto Luongo. Luongo. (laughs) And then it hit something, and there it was for the tap-in, which... Going back to game two of the 96 Stanley Cup Finals, that almost perfectly describes his first goal. (laughs) But that game just, I mean, I already loved Forsberg as a closeted uh, Avalanche fan at the time, but I was, you know, I bled orange for a while. And, uh, but that game, just the players involved, uh, Another near and dear to my heart, Yoni Pekinen scores the OT winner like a minute in because Florida was done when this went to OT. Um, but Jelena's playing in this game. Jeff Carter scores his first career goal. Uh, Gagne had his eighth and ninth goals in, in eight games here. And that was probably the last really good Flyers team before they, you know, they made their cup run in, in 2010, but. This was probably the last real good team. And it was the last game, I want to say full game, of Keith Primo's career, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tap, that's what did it. Yeah, two two nights later, uh, he, he suffered his career-ending concussion. Mm. Yeah, but... It, on a more positive note, uh, if you if fast forward one year to October 30th, 2006, uh, this was my backup. Uh, Forsberg Forsberg, uh, Brian Boucher. <laughs> in the delightful Finding Nemo jerseys. Um, <laughs> 
that that's also a, a fun highlight uh, where John Forslund's calling the game for versus with Eddie Olchuk as a it's just, it's just it's almost like a perfect highlight. Yep. Ah uh, man, I miss him. <laughs> I miss him so much. <laughs> You know, I would play, cut his career short, and say what you will, but he had a near-perfect career. What's hilarious, <clears throat> I mean, and I can understand why from his perspective, is that he, he went through a large number of surgeries on that ankle foot because of a congenital um, defect. And um, he said in, in interviews years after he had retired that he kind of wished he had just retired in 2001. I don't, know, I don't know why I'm sitting here going, he got 106 points in 2002, 2003. Right, but he didn't feel like he was up to his full potential. I, I know. I know. You know he was hobbled, and so he didn't think he could do it. He didn't, I, yeah. And it probably also started that line of surgeries that he ended up having, having too. It was only the second best point total output for him, and he didn't play all 82. So, <laughs> yeah, he was stupid. <laughs> he was just stupid. Just, oh. His playoff numbers are ridiculous, too. Well, it's not even like... It wasn't even just what he did with the puck. It was also what he did without it. He was yeah. just insane. It was a, a a bull. A bull who had speed and hands. Just... 151 NHL playoff games. 171 points. And that's not my favorite stat. Or How part many of that penalty stat. minutes, though? 163, <laughs> 163 penalty minutes in 151 playoff games. Exactly my point. Oh. Points. Oh. And those are all like roughing and slashing and fighting. And <laughs> oh. Oh. And co- the, I think there was the angry snapping oh. that he would just do. Because <laughs> he was just... You, Again, my wife and I would sit there and, and go, the one thing you don't want to do is get him mad. You get no, him mad, no, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> he played better angry. <laughs> yes, he did. He, he and Wah, you know, when they got that they got that fire, it was like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those games. Well, and then, you know, Forsberg had those freaky eyes that, like, scared everybody. Oh, the... Um, those ice blue Viking eyes that just berserker, oh. you thought he was just going to go off. <laughs> it's ster- um, there is a trait in some herding dogs, and it's specifically, uh, it's original in the Australian Shepherds, which aren't from Australia, by the way. Um, they have that really stark blue eye mm-hmm. coloring, and they call it ghost eye because they're sight herders, and it startles animals to be st- stared at by those things and that's the way I felt with Peter Forsberg when he glared at you or glared at anyone with those eyes you're just like I think my soul has just left my body <laughs> it's like here have have the puck Mr. Forsberg it's I'm, yours you just I'm don't hurt me <laughs> terribly sorry sir <laughs> freak the shit out of everybody sorry <laughs> yeah so in uh 
moment of transparency, I did post a GIF in our little uh, pre-show chat yeah. uh, where he's going up. I, th- I think it's uh, Richard Matvichuk of the he Dallas is. Yeah. And he's from that look, and somebody is scared for his life. Yeah, the, the, that death stare he gives Matt Vichuk just before heading, I think, to the face-off circle is just, it, oh, God. Why can't we? I want another Peter Forsberg in the league, damn it. <laughs> just wait for his children to grow up. Yeah, I can't do that because mm. – um, that's not fair to his children. It really isn't. It is true. That is that's, very true. That's like asking the Gretzky kids to be like, <laughs> you know, or Gretzky brothers, <laughs> or the or <laughs> Brent and Keith. Yeah, those two kids. Oh. But still, uh, still the highest scoring brothers in the NHL. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of stupid hockey players, on the other end of the spectrum Uh-oh. I heard this delightful story on a, uh, a up and coming hockey podcast you may have heard of it it's called Too Many Men oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> and the name of Corey Perry was brought up and <laughs> I must say when new fans kind of let the love of hockey into their hearts Things like this beautiful discussion come out. So I love show, that. <laughs> the show has a regular F. Mary Kill segment, and this particular episode had two guest stars on it, Christina and Audrey of the Puck Bunnies podcast, um, who are hilarious in their own right. Someone came up with the idea of doing an F. Mary Kill for Corey Perry, Brad Marchand, Sean Avery. Now you get the, tra- the the stupid hockey transition, and the the conversation. It, it was uh, Christina's turn to answer the question, and I swear I had the biggest shit eating grin on my face when she said this. She describes Corey Perry as the John Constantine of hockey. Oh God. As a player who looks like he just hates, despises every minute being on the ice, but he just has to keep doing it for, you know, the sake of his soul or to win a cup. And my God, that was the most beautiful thing I've heard in years. Um, And I'd like to, you know, point this note. Christina is a self-described. She's just started following hockey in the last two years and had not heard about Corey Perry prior to the start of what was, I'm just going to call it last season now. Um, Just learning about him. And I just thought that was the most perfect description or uh, uh, metaphor for a player. Just because he always has that he looks miserable when he plays. Yeah, I hate this game. I hate this game. I hate this game. I'm taking it out on you. I hate this game. <laughs> I mean, there are players who like play simply because they're good at it, and they don't really like playing, but they're good at it, so they get a paycheck. Yeah, but my God, I I just couldn't continue without bringing up that story because oh, it's the, so perfect. The way she the way she rolled it out too it was like fanfic. It was awesome. <laughs> it was it was awesome 
I was, I was laughing so hard at but, that one. But she did it. So John Constantine is a popular DC secondary character. But the fact that she compared him to the Keanu Reeves movie <laughs> made it even better. <sighs> yeah. So while, you know, the 200 hockey men bore us to death, new fans bring, bring that joy and just made me smile on a hockeyless night in the middle of an April week when we should be watching playoffs. We should be um, for many, many reasons, but we're not because it's kosher. Um, it's okay. Things will get back to normal at some point. Just relax, everyone. Chill. Listen to the sound of my voice. Breathe in, breathe out. Hockey will come back. In with the good air, out, out with the bad. With the bad. <laughs> you, you know who could have really taken that advice was uh, Doug McLean. Okay. <laughs> Seeing his face in a couple of the uh, Avalanche Panthers games that we mentioned were <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, I, I, I actually, I guess we should actually specify that one game that Patrick and I picked. Don't bother watching the first two periods. No, no. Just watch the third. <laughs> no, no, no. Watch the first two periods because it makes the third. It makes it makes the end of the second and the third. Your jaw will hit the floor because you're like, this should not be happening. <laughs> you you don't you don't just go to the second reel in Jaws where they show the shark. Yeah. And hey, there are Pavel Bure and Peter Forsberg fans in right. the house. And then to throw, throw in, you know, the the beauty that is Brent Hedekin skating. Right. In those periods. Well, see, you know, my default with Bure is Vancouver, so I always forget that he played in Florida. So yes. By all means, watch the Burry hat tricks as well. I'm sorry, Pavel. Forgive me. <laughs> so everyone thinks of Forsberg as an Av first. And then I brought up his Philadelphia stats and just how ridiculous he was. You could say the same thing about Burry in Florida, where he has 251 points in 223 games during the dead puck era. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Now, Burry excuse was like me. All offense. Yeah, he was. Excuse me while I push my nose up, my, my glasses up on my nose. Technically, Mr. Clark, Peter Forsberg was a flyer first. Shh, shh. Fans that want us to talk about that. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Philly fans that want us to talk about that. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. He was a Nordique first. He was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. But was he there? Did he put on the jersey? Hey, was he drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Property of the Sixth Philadelphia overall. Flyers. overall. Who went first that year? Anyone? Someone. Uh, was, was that the Chris Phillips year? Go no. no. I don't even remember who went 1991. This was after three years of Quebec picking first overall. Do, do, do. No, Chris Phillips would have been a little later. It's like 94 or something. I'm trying to do this without looking it up, but... I can tell you if you really need me to. Yeah, I do. It's I Lindros. It was Lindros. It was Lindros. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was the same year. That's right. Yeah, it was yeah. the same year. Because so... Sundin went in 89, Nolan went in 90, Lindros 91. So oh. it went... 
It went that I have to give you the top 10 because this is just hilarious top 10. Lindros, Quebec Nordique, number one. Pat Falloon, the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> number two. Guy never lived up to that one. Scott Niedemeyer, New Jersey Devils. Number three. Scott Lachance with the New York Islanders. Number four. Oh. Aaron Ward with the original Winnipeg Jets. Number five. And then Peter Forsberg with Philly, number six. Oh, no. Here's a good one. Alex Alex Doyanov to the Vancouver Canucks at number seven. The biggest flame out. That was like the the most lopsided trade ever in history. Number eight, Richard Matpachuk to the Minnesota North Stars. Patrick Poulin. Hartford Whalers, number nine, and Martin Lapointe, Detroit Red Wings, number 10. So for those who, go ahead, sorry. Uh, sorry, uh, Martin Lapointe, he, uh, the genesis of the first lockout. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, so we all know who Alex Stoyanov was uh, traded for, correct? Oh, <laughs> uh, someone that wore number nine. Teen in his future destination. Yeah, 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 I guess he was in 91. He was wearing 91 in Pittsburgh at the time. Yes, he was. Yes. Uh, yeah. So some, huh? some other guy who was kind of okay wearing 19 at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess. So, so yeah, they, uh, uh, in Nasland, actually, he went, he went 16th overall in the first round that year, too. So, uh, so Marcus Naslund, for those who aren't aware of this, it was a one-for-one trade. Alex Stoyanov for Marcus Naslund. And if you're asking who the heck is Alex Stoyanov, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, <clears throat> I, 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 I'm tap dancing a little bit here because, boy, howdy, does that not continue further proof that the Sharks have always been awful? At drafting. Hello? Number one was Lindros. Number three was Niedermeyer. <laughs> I know. Number six was Forsberg. And they went with... Now, granted, I loved Pat Falloon in the W, but uh, no. <laughs> well, what it gets even better because... Let's see. Stoinoff went seven. Nar- Naslin went 16th. Just later that round, and I mean, just the names, just the oh, yeah. names that keep going. I mean, Pat Peak would have been an improvement over starting off. Oh. Dean McCammond, he went twenty oh. second. He was a player, like he, he was the peak dead puck era player. Uh, Ray Whitney was drafted by the Sharks. Uh, yes, he was. So, blind uh, <laughs> hey, squirrels. Blind squirrels. But so in, what, in what round? Second. Round. Second. Right. They first. cannot land in the first round. <laughs> they've always they've always had a knack. Always had a knack at at finding very solid NHL players in two through seven. We'll forget the early days when they had more than seven, but two through seven. Yeah, I think this draft went to 11. Yeah. 12. 12 rounds in the 1991 draft, but each round was only 22. And that's how you end up with 
Taro Sujimoto. Um, <clears throat> but first rounds, you know, oi, my sugar. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking Patrick, through the names. I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So on on the on a completely unrelated, but yet somewhat related, um, my NHL be a pro, which I play on superstar full periods, by the way, folks, because I'm really bored right now. Um, <laughs> was drafted twenty fourth. I thought twenty seventh, twenty fourth overall by the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Is currently now rated at a ninety four. Was traded to the New York Rangers for an AHLer <laughs> after in in the year after my Be a Pro won the Calder and Selkie and Art Ross. I the dude was traded for an AHLer straight up one for one. And and my favorite part of this, he plays on the line with Johnny Goodrow now. Nice. All right, so my question is, was this general manager, and I am using air quotes here, <laughs> that made this deal, was it Mike O'Connell? <laughs> if it was, he was or it wasn't lying. <clears throat> Was there a fax machine involved? That's what I want to know. Was anyone else in the room when the counter offer was made by another team? Because, <sighs> boy, howdy, let's talk about some navel gazing, but hysterically done so. The feud between Burke and O'Connell. Oh. So for those of you that might have missed this one, um, at one point earlier in the past seven days, Brian Burke did a Twitter Q&A, and he brings up the fact, you know, Burke is a quick with the trigger finger, very aggressive trader, and someone who always appreciated star power. He met, I think he was asked something to the effect of what what is the one player that you, you know, almost traded for but didn't quite get that, you know, was a highlight for you. And he mentioned how as uh, GM of the Anaheim Ducks, he thought he had Joe Thornton back in the, uh, I guess right, he yeah. moved in the 06-07 season. Uh, yeah, whenever whenever Thornton was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, 506, I think. Maybe. So he, he kind of gives out. Basically, he thought he, he almost had the player before the deal quietly sent him to San Jose. And then Mike O'Connell refutes it in the press. He's lying. <laughs> oh. God love Burke, who turns right around and says, I wish he was in the same room with me when he called me a liar. Yeah. <laughs> and then went on to continue to say that Brian Murray was sitting right next to me when I told you that, when I made you that offer. And then details that the Ducks would protect five players. Yeah. And the Bruins could have taken number six. And some sweeteners, yeah. And, and, and. Yeah. Which brings up a very interesting question that or debate that I heard on Puck Soup this week. 
Who would of the five players be that they would protect? Oh, God. You got to think like Brian Burke. I'd need to see that roster again, but you got to think like Brian Burke. Do I have to? Uh, to for this exercise, is a hockey is a hockey person. Do I have to? <laughs> right, right. And that, oh God, I love that. I love that delineation because Brian Burke is a hockey person. Just oh God, stop. Everything else about him, fantastic. Right. That's why I wanted to make that distinction. Yeah. Oh, so this trade was made in it looks like December of two thousand five. Yeah, I thought it was 05-06. So it was the year prior to the Ducks winning the Cup. It was the first year they were still the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. So it was, uh, once again, uh, another name that we mentioned again, uh, Scott Niedemeyer's first year with the team. Yeah. So. Well, then he's definitely one who was protected. So if he has to be protected, then do you have to protect his brother at the same time? Because this is Brian Burke we're talking about. Oh, God, was Rob there, too, at that point? Yeah. I forgot about that. He went to Anaheim. Oh, I forgot about that. Damn it. I wish I had kept forgetting about that. (laughs) I (laughs) I would probably say it would have been Perry Solani, Niedermeyer, uh, Shigir. Yeah, yeah, but you gotta remember that was. Yeah, Briskolov hadn't really done anything. So, yeah, Shigir. I think that's probably it. So, you're talking about the likes of. You said Perry, so Gets Laughs available. Uh, a... Oh, no. So, sorry, I forgot Gets Laugh was there. So Wait, what, what season again was this? 05, this was 05 06? 05 06. So, I believe it was Perry and Gets Laughs first full years on the roster? I think so. So I'm going to say Getzlav, Perry, Solani, Niedermeyer. And Niedermeyer, maybe. And maybe the other Niedermeyer. I don't think he would have given two hoots about Sandus Ozelinch or Sean O'Donnell, maybe, because he loves those big bruisers. Yeah. Oh, then he could have a Bruno Saint-Jacques, who I believe was flipped to them prior to the season. But, but they had a Joffrey Lupul, Chris Kunitz, Francois Beauchemin. Uh, he also wanted Fedorov out of there. Because Fedorov, is, as he puts it, was done playing. <laughs> Maybe for him. <laughs> I'm not going to read too much into that one. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Kunitz wasn't Kunitz, though. Not quite yet. Loophole. I'm sure Boston would have loved a good Todd Fedoric. Or Peter Sikora. Oh, Peter Sikora during that playoff run the next year. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, sort by is... penalty minutes and if you can secondary yeah. sort across points. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sort by height and then weight and then penalty minutes. Oh, so for, points. But, but, but by that same logic, Fedoric would have been protected by Burke. 
<laughs> so would Zen and Kanopka. Um, oh. But Kanopka only played a few games, so... Although I will give it to Kanopka. So Kanopka played for Tampa when I was blogging. And I know Kanopka was pretty much a, uh, um, a one-show pony kind of thing, but um, he was really actually insanely smart about fighting. I mean, it was this one shtick, and so he had to be, but like... He never went to the penalty box unless somebody went with him. Like nine times out of ten, easily. Like he knew his job and he did it damn well. Sure, he could only do one thing, but he was good at it. And he he was that classic case of an AHLer who could put up decent numbers, but it just wouldn't translate. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I think he would have been fine giving up Penner and Paulson. Marchand, Kanopka. Yeah, see, I think if they would have gotten Thornton, I would probably have assumed they'd move Getzlaff to wing at that year. Then slide him in as the number two later. Yeah, that's a hell of an interesting conundrum. That is a hell of a... Yeah, because looking at their defense, I mean... That's there's some of the core or some of the players that were there for the cup run, but not many. Boschman, Niedermeyer, O'Donnell. I think Oslinch was gone. Carney was gone. Yeah, I'd have to look at the cup winning roster. But well, hey, Patrick, you know it's funny you bring up that cup winning roster. Um, dun, dun, dun. So let's say the certain trade goes through. I'm pretty certain. Chris Pronger never becomes a member of the Anaheim Ducks. So let me pose this to you guys. Joe Thornton becomes a duck. Where does where does Chris Pronger land in the 0607 season instead of Anaheim? Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody. <laughs>